Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here Jason Caldwell, as always, for our post-game recap and analysis of what we just watched. Um, it's late Saturday night. Jason and I just got back from the stadium. And I think for most of the game, we thought we were going to be talking about a very different result. We thought we we're going to be talking about one of the worst losses in Auburn football history. But um, a little bit of Auburn Jesus came into came into play there at the end, and Auburn was able to pull out the win, benching Bo Nix for the first time in his career, putting in at the LSU transfer, TJ Finley. He threw the game-winning touchdown pass, and obviously Auburn was able to add some points there at the end with a smoke Monday pick six. But Jason, we will just start there at the end um, with TJ Finley taking this offense down 98 yards for a touchdown. Um, you know, he didn't do the whole drive all by himself. There was a questionable call as well with John Samuel Shanker, possibly, you know, getting a, getting a call held up that may not have been a catch, but really that play at the end, what did you see there from down on, on field level? Because us up in the box, it's hard to see, but I mean, we thought he was toast at the end of that play, but he was able to get out of it. And, and Shedrick Jackson, credit to him, who's had a rough couple weeks, um, was able to come up there and make the play. Yeah, it was kind of buying some time. Um, and, you know, Shedrick Jackson flashed and TJ Finley had the awareness knowing that, you know, I'm not going to be able to run this thing in. I got to throw it somewhere. And he made a play, um, made a couple of plays like that on that last drive um, that were key. Um, so, yeah, you know, you look at this one and, and somebody just asked me, you know, talking about my, my view from the field uh, column that I wrote after, you know, which, which way I was like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, what you do um, when you make that move, then it changes everything. Um, you know, Auburn needed to make a move to get some, some life today, some energy. It, it came, but it came really late. Um, you know, TJ Finley didn't, his numbers and everything weren't a whole lot different um, until the, he finished it off there at the end um, than Bo Nix's were. Um, both of them missed probably – I would say both missed a couple of potential touchdowns each, uh, each throwing the football today. Um, it was part of a bigger issue for me, which was the entire team. Um, every aspect of the team today, maybe with the exception of special teams. And even there, Javaris Johnson had a fumble punt that we were fortunate to get back there. Um but every every issue, every aspect of the game today looked like a team that was sleepwalking. Um, you know, we didn't see that in the first game. Saw it a little bit against Alabama State, uh, but they kind of turned it around in the second half. But um, it took a block punt for a touchdown. It, it, it took a couple of big plays. And honestly, it took Zacoby McLean um, coming back in there in the second half to energize that defense for this team to, to get a win over a Georgia State team that, Frankly, not very good. Now, they're probably better with his quarterback. Um, he did some good things. But to me, it looked like a team that wasn't exactly prepared for some things they saw today from Georgia State. So, uh, you know, you just wonder how much they were looking towards this SEC play, looking towards LSU. It's not an excuse. It happens. 
you should be good enough to overcome those things. Um, but they weren't today. Um, and, um, yeah, I, you know, TJ Finley, he did what he needed to do. He made the couple plays down the stretch. Um, he showed some passion, showed some energy. And, uh, yeah, hats off to Shedrick Jackson, um, man, to keep working, to keep grinding, to go find an open spot. And, hey, frankly, it's not like that ball was thrown chest high. He had to go up and get it. Uh, he had to go make a play, and he did. So, um, all is well that ends well. But, man, there's – I probably have more questions about this Auburn team after a win today uh, than I did after the loss last week at Penn State. Yeah, yeah. might have been a bit of a – I was going to say that, a look-ahead spot after a letdown spot at Penn State. We wondered – you and I talked about it pregame, how they were going to respond the first time they respond after a loss. And I think uh, – I think this spot looking ahead to SEC play, like you said, they, Georgia State and Brian Harson admitted as much, at least a little bit after the game, um, saying that I think the quote was, you know, that he, they know the perception of the kind of team that Georgia State is. Um, you know, this non-conference schedule, with the exception of Penn State, was incredibly weak. Um, and that's something that, you know, maybe Auburn players um, weren't exactly keyed into and weren't and weren't uh, as prepared this week as they needed to be, because clearly, especially um, with that option offense that you and I talked about before the game. Um, they had a lot of problems. I think, Jason, I mean, we knew Zacoby McLean was good, but the difference he had coming in there in the second half, and we knew that they might struggle for a little bit without Owen Papo and Zacoby in the first half, um, but more than 200 rushing yards for this for this Georgia State offense. Do you think that's at all an indictment of this defense moving forward because they were really good against the run the first three weeks? I'm interested to see how they rebound because they're not they're not going to see something like this um, as option heavy. They'll see option stuff um, like zone read stuff like you talked about, but not as heavy as this moving forward. Yeah, I don't, it's you would think that one player would make that much of a difference. Um, I think he, he made a big difference with an energy standpoint. But it's you know, I think everybody else picked up their game when he came on the field, too. You could see it. Um, you know, maybe, you know, alignment issues. Maybe he solved some of those things too, because there were obviously some of those again in the first half. Now they had some of those with him on the field in the first three games, but you know, there was you know one today the early run. Um, you know, it was an alignment issue. There was nobody on that side of the ball um, for the, for the big run. But yeah, it's to me, you know, the quarterback issue isn't as big for me as the line of scrimmage issue was today. I thought the line of scrimmage was the bigger issue. Auburn could not line up and run the football. Um, you know, you look at Jarquez Hunter had a big 18-yard run there late that was huge on that 98-yard drive. That was maybe one of the bigger plays in the game. Um, but Auburn did not have a lot of running room. Now, some of that is because they weren't connecting down the field, but that's going to continue to be an issue. Um, I thought Georgia State, and, you know, hey, to be honest, I mentioned it. Um, I mentioned it in my exit survey, but – I talked to a coach yesterday, and, and there was concern about Georgia State's small, quick defensive line. They're not very big, but the six-foot, 265-pound guys that can get underneath you, and I thought they did a great job of doing that. They were penetrating, uh, creating some issues, getting up the field, and um, you know, I thought both lines of scrimmage, um, you know, that was maybe the bigger issue for me today. And, and you know, obviously – Going to get challenged next week, LSU. Um, not a team that runs at a ton. They gave up some rushing yards today. But what they do is get after the quarterback, uh, rush the passer. 
um, that's got to be a concern if you're Auburn, uh, especially now that, you know, the way it sounds, that two quarterbacks are going to get first-team reps. Um, that, to me, makes it tough when you start splitting reps uh, in, in game week, getting ready for an SEC game especially. Yeah, and Brian Harson said that, that, you know, and that's not a surprise that it's going to be a bit of a wait for us this week, a wait and see um, with how that battle is going to go. I'm, knowing him and knowing how how kind of close to the vest he likes to be. Yeah, we, we will not know. We will probably not know until uh, until Saturday, Saturday, late Saturday night in Baton Rouge uh, when they take the first snap might be the might be the first time um, we're able to figure out how that went this week. But going back to the the quarterback, Jason, and the, and what we saw from both guys today, um, you know, a lot of it, I think, like you said, that that defensive line played a part in it. Um, but we hadn't seen this from Bo Nix this season that much. The indecisiveness through those first three games. That was something that I was the most impressed with was his ability to look downfield and make a read um, really against Penn State. I mean, 39 dropbacks. You, you talked about this um, after the Penn State game really wasn't pressured that much. I mean, the offensive line, honestly, was a decent bright spot through the first few games. Um absolutely no time this game and then even when tj finley came in the thing that finley did better that allowed him to to have that drive was he didn't tuck and run and take his eyes off you know the downfield receivers when the pressure came he stood in there i thought he was going to get sacked like three or four times he he was able to be nifty for his size and able to keep his eyes downfield um but from you and what you saw what was the biggest thing going on with with bo today because it's the receivers you know obviously need some work but he he just he himself his the way he plays, he didn't look a lot like he did the first three games. No, I didn't. I didn't think he looked the same. You know, we might may not may not know, but I went back and watched the Penn State game again, and you know, early on there was a throw that he makes for a third down. He gets hit and driven into the ground, and he comes up and he's kind of rubbing his right shoulder underneath his pad, and we talk, people wondered about the the throws in that game. They're throwing you know, the high lofted throws, that kind of thing. Those kind of continued today. We saw him miss high three or four times, throwing over receivers. I wonder if there's some lingering issue there um, that, you know, maybe they know that, you know, he's kind of playing through. I, you know, I don't know that. But, you know, that that was part, maybe partly some of it. You know, we not ever know. But the other one, you're right, um, I thought. And, and the thing today that was really different – you know, we see Demetrius Robertson other than maybe one play. Um, he didn't play the rest of the game, really. Yeah, we I saw, saw him on a, the bike there in the second half. We, so. we saw a steady rotation of a bunch of different wide receivers. Um, you know, they, I think the plan was to to go and throw a bunch of different wide receivers. We saw a bunch of different guys. Um, sometimes that can be an issue in getting finding a rhythm. That never looked like an offense to find a rhythm because – um, you know, first they couldn't run it, and second, there were a bunch of different guys out there. So they get the same thing with TJ Finley. I don't think they ever really found a rhythm until the two minute drive, and we've seen that happen before. Um, that's normally where these quarterbacks are at their best, and these offenses sometimes are in a two minute drill. Um, I thought they did, they did, they did some things. So, yeah, no matter what happens, quarterback wise, um, line of scrimmage, um, and consistency out of those wide receivers. It's got to improve no matter who the quarterback is moving forward. It almost seems like after this, just because of the way that Bo and, and TJ played 
sort of similarly. I mean, TJ was again, TJ was able to keep his eyes downfield, but it almost seems like you're you're right. That is the bigger storyline because when a guy like Tank Bigsby, he finished above three yards after a couple carries there at the end. But we were in the fourth quarter and he was under three yards a carry. Um, and Jarquez Hunter, I thought had a little had a little bit better of a game than him. But anytime you bottle up those two guys, um, and they're just getting hit in the backfield. And there was one play with Tank where. Um, there were like seven or eight Georgia State defenders on top of him in the backfield within just a few seconds. Um, and that's just bad blocking. So sticking with those receivers, you know, like you talked about, that was a big point of emphasis going into this game, trying to find that guy. You said it earlier earlier this week that you just give Kobe Hudson some some targets probably and say, hey, you know, we're going to keep going to you. Let's see what happens. I think he's probably the most consistent receiver on this team right now. Um, but I do say that with the caveat, and I you're probably gonna bring up Javarius Johnson um, still kind of working things back and he could be that second guy, but you know, what do you make of this receiver um, rotation right now? Because it seems like a lot of other positions, we still don't have a ton of answers. No, it's, it's all over the place. Um, and Kobe Hudson, five catches, 76 yards. He was easily the most consistent of the group. You know, Shedrick had another good day after, you know, a couple of targets early on. He made a couple of big catches there, four catches for 70 yards for him, but, after that, you know, Javarius had a couple of catches, a couple of drops. Uh, it looked rusty coming back from him. Elijah Canyon played a little bit more. Xavier Capers played a little bit more. Um, you know, Malcolm Johnson in there. I mean, we saw six or seven different guys and really didn't see Demetrius Robertson. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, Kobe, to me, is the guy that um, when you start talking about consistency and, you know, guy that can do it. But, Tell you what, Xavier Capers, I mean, Elijah Canyon, excuse me, made a big catch on the sidelines over there, ball behind him. I think physically he's a guy that that they need to continue to get going. Um, you know, he gives you that big physical presence outside doing those things. But, yeah, I, still a, um, kind of a mixed bag at wide receiver for sure. And who knows now what, you know, Demetrius Robertson's role is moving forward if he's a little banged up. You know, if, that's, if that was the case, how do you get him into this mix and – uh, I don't know. Um, it was, you know, it's a work in progress. But uh, to me, I think you're looking at, I thought, you know, now Shedrick Jackson, another pretty solid game there. Kobe Hudson, Javarius Johnson. Um, those three guys might be my, my maybe my most consistent guys right now. I was thinking about, I couldn't help but think about this during the game. Um, and, you know, it's not something that people want to talk about all the time because people used to bring up Gus too much. But do you think that's a decision that Gus makes in this game? to bench Bo because we never saw him do it. Now, when we didn't see him do it, I understood why he didn't do it because he had picked him as his quarterback for the future in 2019. Don't want to shake his confidence. We're riding him no matter what, picked him for a reason. Um, in this game and in the in this setting, in year three for Bo, do you think that's something that, that Gus would have done or are we starting to see the difference between him and Harson? Yeah, you know, I don't know that I remember Gus doing it to anybody, not just Bo. Um, they did in 2011. You know, Barrett Trotter, um, you made a move there, kind of went back and forth a little bit with Sean White. But I, I think if you're Brian Harson, it makes it a little bit easier to make the move because Bo's not your guy. Now you're coaching him and he's your guy because of that, but you didn't sign him. Now you brought TJ Finley in, so he's kind of your guy. I think it makes it a little bit easier when you know, quote, unquote, it's not a guy that you brought in or you signed. You just kind of came here and he was here. Um, that makes it a little bit easier, in my opinion, or a little tougher, uh, depending on which way you look at it. But probably not. Um, who knows? Um, you know, it, it kind of depends on 
a lot of it depends on what you're seeing from the second guy. Um, a lot of the reason maybe that didn't happen is because those second guys, we never got a chance to really see what they could do. They've gotten a chance to see a little bit more TJ Finley. So they probably were like, Hey, this guy might give us a little lift. Whereas maybe back in the past, they didn't really know what the second guy was. Yeah. And it, like, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, just a hypothetical, but that's, that was really the point of what Harson said about making the quarterback switch was just some sort of difference. Like they tried rotating the running backs. They tried putting new guys in there, new tight ends. Obviously, like we've talked about, the receivers were mixed over and over again. Um, it sounded like any sort of offensive line, you know, significant offensive line change was obviously out of the question. You know, he said that would be, that would be detrimental. Um, so really it was just kind of the end of the line. It was the last thing that you could do to possibly change up the offense. He didn't think Finley was better or worse as an option, but it's just something you had to do to, to change up and try to spark things. Um, Jason, we'll get into it more this week. Finally in the SEC play talking about LSU. Um, they weren't incredibly impressive today, but they did get a win at Mississippi state. Um, you know, I thought before this game that Auburn was a much better team than LSU, at least think how things looked and in a vacuum, they'd probably win that game pretty well. Um, not so sure at this point. And then also Baton Rouge is a cursed place for this team. What does this team have to fix this week in practice? Um, or what can they fix in just a few days to be able to go in there and have a chance at a win? Yeah. You know, we just don't know how much of this was a team that, you know, frankly, was probably looking ahead. I think that's probably some of it. Um, give Georgia State credit for a, a good plan too, running the option, doing some of those things. Um, and so, you know, I think obviously you look and, and the, the first thing that you look at in this game is LSU's a big play offense in the passing game. Auburn has not been a big play offense. I mean, you know, Penn State, it was a 16 play drive, 17 play drive. You look at that 98 yard drive today, it, it's hard to win football games if you don't have big plays. They got to find a big play somewhere. And, you know, we saw Jarquez Hunter with a big play, you know, a 96-yard run, but we haven't seen those big runs uh, against Penn State. We didn't see them today. And you got to get some chunk yardage plays in the passing game. So, um, you know, I was the defense. You'll have to get after a quarterback. LSU's not a – they're going to run a ton, um, but you got to create some pressure. And there wasn't a whole lot of pressure from that Auburn front today either. Um, that's, to me – um, where it starts. Um, Got to create some explosive plays on offense. And, um, you know, they're going to have to get after Max Johnson because you still let him stand back there and find Keyshawn Boutte, and uh, they're going to make some big plays. Um, so, to me, that's the, the big issue. And, and hey, I'll leave the, uh, leave the quarterback question to the guys who make the big bucks because uh, I'm not honestly not, – I'm not sure what I would do. Uh, I don't know. There's positives and negatives for for going either way at this point. Um, not sure which way I'd go, to be quite honest. Yeah, and I'm with you that that is that's probably you know pro- it's obviously a big focus, but you know you got to fix that line of scrimmage first on both sides of the ball because you're not going to win with either quarterback um, if that's not the case. So we'll get into all that this week. Auburn finally opens SEC play after four straight non-conference games. They emerge from this first stretch of the season three and one. Not necessarily a surprising outcome in terms of the record, but obviously a surprising game today. We thought we were going to be sitting here talking about a very bad loss, and instead Auburn and TJ Finley and Shedrick Jackson uh, and Smoke Monday added the pick six. We hadn't talked about that, but ice the game there at the end. So appreciate everybody for listening to this edition of the podcast. Again, we'll be back this week previewing the LSU game in the SEC opener. If you guys enjoyed it, leave us a five-star review. 
wherever you get your podcast intro and outro music is by beats by mordecai thanks so much to him and until the next episode this week we will talk to you guys later everybody have a good start to the week Thank you.